Chapter 14 of A Knight of the White Cross by G. A. Henty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 14 The Corsair Fleet. An hour later, all was ready for a start. The knights of the Langs of France, Germany, and Spain went on board their respective ships, as did the three parties of released captives with the knights who were to command them while the rowers took their seats on the benches shackled with the chains that had recently held the christians the wind was from the south and with sails and oars the prizes were able to keep fairly abreast with the galley with a few short intervals of rest the slaves continued their work all night until shortly before daybreak land was seen ahead and the pilot at once pronounced it to be Cape Carbonera. A good landfall, Gervais, Ralph said. The pilot has done right well. I suppose you mean to anchor when you get there? Certainly, Ralph. The slaves will have rowed nearly eighteen hours, with only two hours' rest. They must have some hours, at least, of sleep before we go on. As you and I have been up all night, we will turn in also. We will send a boat ashore to try and find out from the natives they may come across whether any vessels bearing the appearance of Moorish corsairs have been seen passing up the coast, and also to find out what bays and inlets there are where they would be likely to anchor. Some of the Italian knights had best go with the boat, for though I believe these people speak a different dialect to those of the mainland, they would have more chance of understanding them than any of the others. The sun had risen when the little fleet came to anchor close to the cape. A boat was at once prepared to go ashore, and Gervais begged Fabricius Caretto, the senior of the rescued Italian knights, to endeavor to find out whether a swift sailing craft of some kind could be hired. If so, he was to secure her on any terms, and come off in her at once to the galley. Gervais had already talked the matter over with Ralph, and they agreed that a strongly manned craft of this kind would go faster than any of those they had taken, and that, moreover, it would be a pity to weaken their force by sending one of the prizes away. Having seen them off, Gervais retired to the cabin and threw himself down for a short sleep, leaving the knights who had been off watch during the night to see that all went well. In two hours he was roused, a native craft having come alongside with Sir Fabricius Caretto. I think she is just the craft for us, the knight said as Gervais came on deck. She belongs to a large fishing village just round the point to the left. There were several boats there, but the villagers all said that this was the speediest vessel anywhere along the coast. She belongs to two brothers, who, with four men, constitute her regular crew. But I have arranged for twelve others to go in her, in order that they may row her along at a good pace if the wind falls light. Are your companions come off yet? No, but we can hoist a flag for their recall. Do so. I shall be greatly obliged if you will undertake this mission to the seaports. It needs one of name and rank to speak with the nobles and officials authoritatively. I will gladly do so, Sir Gervais, 
Give me your instructions, and you can rely upon me carrying them out. I thank you greatly, Sir Fabricius, and shall be glad if you will take with you any two of the knights you may select. I have to write letters for you to deliver to the authorities at Naples, Pisa, and Genoa. I shall write but briefly, and leave you to explain matters more fully. I shall merely say that I have intelligence of the arrival here of a fleet of Moorish corsairs, of whose strength I am ignorant, but that assuredly their intention is to make a raid on the commerce of the coast, and perhaps to land at unprotected places, at Ostia, after warning the authorities to send orders along the coast for the inhabitants to be on their guard, pray them to carry word at once to Rome, and request His Holiness the Pope to order some armed galleys to put to sea as soon as possible. Beg them at Naples and Pisa to do the same thing. But of course it is from Genoa that we must hope for the most assistance. In each place you will, if possible, see the syndic himself, and such of his council as can be got quickly together. The moment you have done all, you can at Genoa sail for the island of Madalena, which lies off the northeastern point of the island. There you will either find us or a boat with a message where to direct your course. I think perhaps it will be best to omit Naples. It will save you fully a day, if not two, to do so. Pray them at Ostia to send off news down the coast, or to request the papal authorities to dispatch mounted messengers. Tis likely that at first, at any rate, the corsairs will try the narrower waters to the north. From here to Ostia is nigh two hundred miles and if the wind is brisk you may arrive there to-morrow afternoon and start again at night arriving at pisa before noon on the following day while allowing for four or five hours to ascend the river there you may be at genoa next morning three hours should suffice to gather from the authorities what force they can dispatch and as soon as you have learned this embark again and sail south you may reach madalena in two days thus at the earliest it must be from six to seven days before you can bring us the news there. If you meet with calms or foul winds, you may be well-nigh double that time. If at Ostia you can get a faster craft than this, hire it, or take a relay of fresh rowers. I will furnish you with means when I give you the letters. In less than half an hour, Gervais was on deck again. The boat had returned with the other Italian knights. An ample store of provisions had been placed on board the Sperandra both for the crew and for the three knights, and without a moment's delay these took their places on board, the great sails were hoisted, and the craft glided rapidly away. The villager spoke truly as to her speed, Ralph said as they looked after her. Even with this light wind, she is running fully six miles an hour and as by the look of the sky there will be more of it soon she will make the run to ostia well within the time we calculated gervais now questioned the other italian knights as to what information they had gained they said the peasants had told them that several strange craft using both oars and sails had been noticed passing northwards and that so strong was the opinion that these were either Algerines or Tunisians, that for the last three or four days none of the fishing craft had ventured to put to sea. They were able to tell but little as to the bays along the coastline, which they described as very rugged and precipitous. Five or six little streams ran, they knew, down from the mountains. 
they thought the most likely place for corsairs to rendezvous would be a deep indentation north of cape bella vista or behind cape comino if not at these places they might meet in the great bay at whose entrance stands tabalera island and that beyond there were several deep inlets on the northeastern coast of the island gervais had a consultation with ralph the first thing is to find out where these corsairs have their meeting place ralph and this must be done without their catching sight of the galley or of the prizes which some of them would be sure to recognize ralph nodded it is a very difficult question gervais of course if we had a boat speedy enough to row away from the corsairs it would be easy enough but with wind and oars they go so fast that no boat could escape them that is quite certain ralph and therefore if it is done by a boat it must be by one so small and insignificant that they would pay but little attention to it if they caught sight of it my idea is that we should take our own little boat which is a fast one paint it black to give it the appearance of a fisherman's boat and hire a couple of good rowers from the village this with one knight dressed as a fisherman should go ahead of us and explore every inlet where ships could be sheltered we would follow ten miles behind when we get near the places where the natives think the fleet is likely to be the boat must go on at night while we anchor in that way they ought to be able to discover the corsairs while themselves unseen and to gain some idea of their numbers and the position in which they are anchored and bring us back news shall i go myself gervais i could not spare you ralph the risk of capture does not seem to me to be great but there certainly is a risk and i dare not part with you it had better be an italian because there will doubtless be an opportunity of landing at villages and questioning the inhabitants therefore we will send fosco if there are some eight or ten corsairs gathered in any of these bays the news is sure to travel along the shore and we may get some tidings in that way the first thing is to send off to the village again to fetch two young fishermen they must be active fellows strong and possessed of some courage i will ask da vinci to go himself and select them while he is away we will paint our boat black and make ready for her to start at once the sooner she is off the better the italian knight at once undertook the mission and started for the shore bosco who had been chosen principally because he was light of frame as well as very shrewd and intelligent was then called up and his mission explained to him he was delighted at having been selected gervais took him down to the cabin and they consulted the maps with which the galley was furnished you will row on to muravera it is some twenty miles from here you see the village lies at the mouth of a river as soon as you arrive there you will land and find out whether there is any report of moorish pirates having been seen along the coast we shall be there this evening and you will come on board and report next day you will get to lunacy which is about five miles on this side of cape bella vista and they will certainly know there if the pirates are lying behind the cape if they are so you will row back to meet us if they are not you will remain there until we come up in the evening remember that should you on either day be seen and chased and you find they are overtaking you you will make for the shore land and conceal yourselves we shall keep along near the coast and as we pass you can come down to the water's edge and signal to us to take you off 
Now you had better disguise yourself, so as to be in readiness to start as soon as da Vinci comes off with the men. You will only need to take a small stock of provisions, as each night you can replenish them here. An hour later, da Vinci came off with two stalwart young fishermen. The little boat had already been painted, and it was lowered at once. Fosco stepped into it and started. Two hours later, the prizes got up sail, and accompanied by the galley, coasted quietly along the shore, arriving late in the afternoon at Muravera. Fosco at once came on board. There is no news here beyond that which we gained this morning, Sir Gervais, he said. Strange ships have certainly been seen sailing north, but they did not approach the coast. A similar report was given at Lunacy. There were certainly no corsairs lying behind Cape Bella Vista, or news would assuredly have reached the village. At Orosi, next day, the report was the same. There were no strange ships at Cape Camino. They had been warned overnight that the coast beyond the Cape was so precipitous that there would be no villages at which to make inquiries, and arranged with Fosco that the ships should anchor north of the Cape, and that he should go on at once to inspect the next bay. If he found the ships there, he was to return at once. If not, he was at daybreak to land at one of the villages in the bay and to make inquiries. No news was brought in by him during the night. It is evident the pirates are not in the bay, Gervais, Ralph said as they came on deck at daybreak. Yes, and I am glad of it. It is a large bay, and if the Genoese sent half a dozen galleys, some of the pirates might still escape while the next bays are deeper and narrower, and it would be more easy to entrap them all. I have all along thought it most probable that they would rendezvous there. The maps show no villages for many miles round, and they might lie there for weeks without so much as a shepherd getting sight of them from the cliffs. Moreover, it is the nearest point for cutting off ships coming down between Corsica and the mainland, and they can, besides, snap up those proceeding from the south to Marseilles as these, for the most part, pass between Sardinia and Corsica. At, a, at eight o'clock, the boat was seen coming round the point. Any news, Fosco? Gervais asked as it approached the galley. None, Sir Gervais. They have heard nothing of pirates, nor seen anything of them. Exclamations of disappointment broke from the knights. That makes it all the more likely, Gervais said, that they are lying in one of the inlets to the north. You see, lower down, they kept comparatively close to the shore, being careless who might notice them. But as they approached their rendezvous, they would be more careful, and might either pass along at night or keep far out. If they had not been anxious to conceal their near presence, they would have been likely to put into this bay in search of plunder and captives. For Tempe, one of the largest of the Sardinian towns, lies but a short distance away, and there must be a considerable amount of traffic. There are four or five small craft lying there, Fosco, who had by this time stepped on board, put in, and a considerable number of fishing boats. When I came upon the ships in the dark, I thought at first that I had lighted on the pirates, but on letting the boat drift closely by them, I soon saw they were not corsair galleys. Shall we get up anchor and go into the bay? Ralph said. It were safer not to do so, Ralph. Possibly one of the craft lying there might be presently captured by them, and they might learn from her crew of the presence of a galley of the order there. 
Therefore I think it best to remain where we are till nightfall, and then to proceed and anchor on the north side of the island of Madalena. If we can find a sheltered cove where we could not be seen either from the land or by passing ships. During the day there was a good deal of discussion among the knights as to whether the corsairs might not already have sailed away. It was evident that if all their ships had arrived, there would be no motive for delay. Three ships they knew would never join them, and others might have been detained from some cause or another. There could be no doubt that the pirates had already ample force for capturing as many merchant vessels as they might come across, but it might be intended to carry out some more daring project, to sack and burn towns along the coast, carry off the leading people for ransom, and fill the vessels with slaves, the attack being made simultaneously on several unprotected towns. A vast amount of plunder could thus be reaped, together with captives of even greater money value. Were this their plan, they would doubtless delay it until all those who had promised to join in the expedition had arrived. The balance of opinion, then, was that the corsairs were still in hiding. By daybreak next morning, they were moored in a sheltered little bay to the north of Madalena, the galley lying inside the prizes so as to be concealed as much as possible from view of any craft that might happen to pass the mouth of the bay. Fosco started as soon as darkness fell in the evening and returned early in the morning. They are there, he shouted as he neared the galley, hidden in a deep inlet that runs into one of the narrow bays. How many are there of them? Seventeen or eighteen, I could not say which. They are all moored side by side. By this time, Fosco's boat had reached the galley. You have done well indeed, Gervais said as the young knight ascended to the poop. Now give us a full account of what you have seen. As you know, Sir Gervais, the bay opposite this island splits up into two, running a long way inland, like the fangs of a great tooth. I had, of course, no difficulty in finding the entrance to the bay itself, as it is but a short distance across the strait. I steered first for the left-hand shore and kept close along under the shadow of the cliffs, which in many cases rise almost straight out from the water. We rode very quietly, fearing to run against a rock, for although it was light enough to see across the water and to make out any craft that might be anchored there, it was very dark along the foot of the cliffs. There was no need for haste, as I knew I had plenty of time to explore both arms of the bay and to be back here before day began to break. We rode up to the end of the inlet, and then, having assured ourselves that it was empty, came down the other side, and turned up the western arm. We had got some distance along when I fancied I heard voices, and so let the boat drift along, only dipping the oars in the water occasionally. I could make out no signs whatever of the corsairs, when suddenly we came upon a break in the cliffs, it was only some fifty yards across, and here a creek came in at right angles to the shore. I could have given a shout of pleasure as I looked up it, for there a score of lights were burning above a dark mass, and we could hear the sound of talking and laughter. It was but a glimpse I caught, for the men at once backed water, and we were soon round the corner again. Up till then the fishermen had been ready enough to go where I wanted but the sight of that clump of galleys regularly scared them, and they wanted to row straight away. But of course I pointed out to them 
that they had taken pay to do this thing, and that they had to do it. They said that if caught, they would be either killed or made slaves of, and I could not contradict them, but said that in the first place, as I was ready to run the risk, there was no reason why they should do so, and in the second, there was no chance whatever of their being taken as, if discovered, we should get so long a start that we could either escape them altogether or run the boat ashore at some point where the trees came down to the water's edge, carry the boat up and hide it, and then move up into the hills until the corsairs had gone. We waited there three or four hours, looking round the point occasionally. At the end of that time, all was quiet. Two or three of the lanterns still burned, but there was no sign of life or movement on their decks. After waiting another half hour to ensure the crews being asleep, we rode quietly up the creek, keeping within an oar's length of the rocks. There was not much to see, the galleys lay two abreast, and as there was no space between them, I suppose the whole were lashed together. There were eight of them on the side we went along, but I think there were only seven on the other side, as I thought it did not much matter whether there were fifteen or sixteen, and as the men were in a state of horrible fright. We turned and went back again, and I own I felt very glad myself when we got round the point without an alarm being given. We came quietly out, and it was fortunate we did so, for we had not gone a quarter of a mile when we heard the sound of oars, and lying silently under the cliff, we saw two large galleys row past us. It is a strong force, Gervais, Ralph said as they paced up and down the poop together. Probably in each of those galleys are eighty or a hundred men, in addition to the rowers. It is evident that unless Genoa sends us help, we shall not be able to interfere with their plans. I don't know, Ralph. I think we may injure them sorely, though we might not be able to defeat them altogether. I want you tonight to take one of the prizes and row round to the bay we passed and there to buy three coasting vessels and six or eight fishing boats. Get as much pitch, oil, and other combustibles as you can purchase in the villages on the shore. If you can engage a score of fishermen to man them, all the better. My idea is that if Coretto returns with news that the Genoese have no galleys ready for sea, we must do what we can to injure these corsairs. If we smear these craft you are going to fetch with pitch and oil and fill the holes with combustibles, and so turn them into fire ships, we may at least do the pirates a tremendous lot of harm. When we get to the mouth of this inlet, we could have the fire ships rowed in by three or four men in each, they having a boat behind in which to escape as soon as the boats are lighted. The sight of a dozen craft coming down on them in flames would cause a terrific panic, for moored closely together as they are, if one took fire there would be little chance of the others escaping. Of course, we should add to the confusion by opening a fire with all our guns, and could hope to capture some at least of them as they tried to make their way out. It is a grand idea, Gervais, a splendid idea. It would be a terrific blow to the Moors, and would make the sea safe from them for a long time. When you buy the other things, Ralph, get a quantity of black cloth. It matters not how coarse or of what material, and also some white. As soon as you come back with it, all hands shall be set to work to make the stuff up into mantles of the order with the white cross. We will put these on to the Christians and the prizes, and the Moors will suppose that they are attacked by four of the galleys of the order. If you can get some more arms and some iron headpieces, all the better. 
I will do what I can, Gervais. The arms will certainly be wanted, for those we found on the decks were sufficient only to arm half the Christians. As to the steel caps, that will not matter so much, as in the darkness and confusion, the sight of the mantles will be quite enough to convince the corsairs that we are all knights of the order. By the way, Gervais, we have not yet looked into the holds of the prizes. That is so, Ralph. We knew, of course, that as the ships had but just started, we should find nothing in them save the cargo of that unfortunate craft they captured. On searching, they found, as they had expected, that the cargo of the captured ship had been of no great value. It consisted of wine, olive oil, and grain. These were all useful, for the number of mouths to be fed was considerable, and heavy inroads had already been made on the stores of the galley. The rowers of the four vessels were at once set to work to crush the grain between flat stones brought from the shore, and an ample supply of coarse flour for their use for at least a fortnight was obtained before sunset. As soon as darkness fell, Ralph and two of the French knights started in one of the prizes. Late on the following afternoon, a sail was seen coming from the north, and before the sun set, they were able to make her out to be the craft in which Coretto had sailed. The anchor of the galley was at once got up, and she rowed out to meet the boat and conduct her into the little bay. It was almost dark when they came within hailing distance. What news do you bring, Sir Fabricius? Bad news, I regret to say. I do not think that Genoa will be able to send out any galleys for at least a fortnight. There have been civil dissensions and fighting between rival factions, and in consequence her ships are all dismantled and laid up. Crews will have to be collected for them, repairs executed, and officers chosen. A fortnight will be the earliest time in which they can be here. Pisa has no war galleys, and unless the Pope sends some out directly, he gets the news. The Corsairs will have it their own way. Have you discovered them? Yes, they lie but a few miles from here. There were fifteen or sixteen of them two days ago, and two others joined them that night. You have lost no time indeed. We had scarce begun to expect you, Sir Fabricius, he added, as the knight and his two comrades stepped on board. I have done my best, the knight said angrily. But I am in a rage with my ill-success. All I have accomplished is that no merchant vessels will put to sea at present. At Ostia they would only send off a message to Rome to ask for orders. At Pisa the authorities at first treated my story as a fiction, and I believe took me for an impostor. But on the news spreading, some knights came forward and recognized me. Then we had a meeting of the council. All talk wrangled and protested. They said that it was absurd to suppose that they could, at a moment's notice, fit out ships to cope with a fleet of corsairs, and their sole idea was to man the forts and to repel an attack. However, mounted messengers were sent off at once up and down the coast to give warning to the inhabitants of the towns to put themselves into a posture of defense, and to the villagers to fly with their wives and families into the interior as soon as they saw galleys of doubtful appearance approaching. I was there but four hours, and then started for Genoa. There was almost a panic there, too, as the members of the council were mostly merchants, and were filled with dismay for the safety of their ships and goods at sea. Of course, there was no thought that the corsairs, however strong, would venture an attack upon Genoa, 
I told them that you had captured three of the corsairs with a single galley, and that if they could send you ten others, you would probably be able to make head against the pirates. But as I have told you, Genoa is at peace with all the world. Her war galleys are laid up, and most of them would need repair and recocking before they would be fit to send to sea. Although they maintain that no more than a week should elapse before they would be ready to sail, I am right sure that it will be double that time before they are fitted out. Of course, in Genoa I was well known, though my family estates lie near Mantua, and my acquaintances flocked round me, and urged me to stay until the galleys were ready for sea. This I would not hear of, and six hours after my arrival started again. We made the voyage to Corsica at a good speed, but since then we have had the oars constantly out to help the sails. The men have well earned their pay, I can assure you. It is enough to make one mad with rage to think that these pirates will be able to harry the coast of Italy at their pleasure, for there can be little chance that they will abide quiet much longer at this rendezvous. It is annoying, indeed, Gervais agreed, and a murmur of disappointment ran round the assembled knights. However, we have the consolation that we have done all we could, and I am sure that we shall do so in the future. Gervaise had charged Ralph to say nothing about the object of his mission, and the general supposition was that he had sailed to endeavor to purchase some bullocks, as the supply of meat was nearly exhausted. Ralph himself had let drop a few words to this effect, and had indeed been charged by Gervaise to bring off a few oxen if they could be obtained without loss of time. Gervais was on deck at midnight, and soon afterwards the beat of oars was heard. It was a still night, and one of the knights on watch remarked to him, It seems to me, Sir Gervais, that the sound is a confused one, and that there must be several vessels rowing. Shall I call up our companions? It may be that it is the pirate fleet coming out. You need not do that, Gervais replied. I am expecting Sir Ralph to bring back with him some fishing boats, for which I think I can find a use. We should have heard before this if the corsairs had been putting out. Fosco is in his boat watching the mouth of the inlet, and would have started with the news had there been any stir on board their galleys. It was a quarter of an hour before a number of dark objects entered the little bay. As soon as they did so, they ceased rowing, and the splashes of the anchors as they fell into the water were heard. Then came the sound of a boat's oars, and Ralph was soon alongside. I see that you have succeeded, Ralph. There is no fear of failing when one is ready to pay the full value of what one wants to get. I have bought three coasters and eight fishing boats, and have a sufficient store of pitch and oil, with plenty of straw and faggots. There was no difficulty in getting men to come with me. As soon as they heard that a fleet of eighteen Moorish galleys was in the next bay, they were ready enough to aid in any plan for their destruction, for they know well enough that some of them would be sure to make raids all along the coast, sacking and burning and carrying off men, women, and children as slaves. I said I only wanted two men for each craft, but so many were willing to come that I have some thirty more than the number I asked for, and we can divide these among us. They are strong, active-looking fellows. We will keep them here, then, Ralph. 
You see, there are one in twenty of our knights in the three prizes, and as we lost two in the capture, and four others are not fit to put on armor, we have but six and twenty, and the addition will be very welcome. What are they armed with? They have bows and arrows, and long pikes and axes. Good. Have you managed to collect any more arms? Yes, the people are all charcoal burners and woodmen in the winter, and I was therefore able to get together some thirty or forty axes and hatchets, which will be ample, with the arms we took from the moors to equip the ninety Christians. I think we can depend upon these for fighting, Ralph. I don't think there is any doubt about that. A few of them are pretty well worn out with labor and suffering, but all have gained strength and spirits greatly in the past week, and you may be sure that they will fight to the death rather than run the risk of another turn in the galleys. And have you got the stuff to make the mantles? Yes, there was plenty of the coarse black cloth which they wear in summer, in winter, of course, they are clad in sheepskins, and I have sufficient white cotton cloth to make the crosses. We have only one thing to wish for now, Ralph, and that is that the corsairs may not take it into their heads to sail tomorrow. Fosco will bring me news at daybreak, and we will at once send another boat off to watch the mouth of the bay when he leaves it. If they sail, we cannot venture to attack them as long as they keep together. The odds are far too heavy and our only plan will be to follow them at a distance, when we can just keep their upper sails in sight, and then to attack any detachments that may separate from the main body. I hope it will not come to that, Gervais. It would be hard indeed when you have devised such a splendid plan, and we have got everything ready to carry it out, if they were to give us the slip. Do the others know anything about it yet? No, I thought it better to keep silence till tomorrow. No doubt some of the galley slaves understand enough of one or another of our languages to gather what is on foot. Besides, their late captives might, in their satisfaction at the thought of revenge, say enough to them to let them know that an attack on their fleet was intended, and one of them might, in some way, free himself from his irons and swim ashore. We know there is a small fishing village across the island, and there would be no difficulty in stealing a boat and making off with the news. I do not say that the risk is great. Still, it were better not to throw away even a chance. The knights have all turned in in a very gloomy mood, for Coretto has returned with news that there is no hope of assistance from Genoa for a fortnight, and it seemed, therefore, that all our plans had been thrown away. And now we may as well turn in until daylight. End of chapter 14 Read by Peter Strong in Cartagena, Colombia, on January 29, 2019.